Welcome to a patient safety podcast from Crico. Crico is the patient safety and medical malpractice company owned by and serving the Harvard medical community since 1976. Since the patient safety movement recently celebrated a birthday, marking the 10-year anniversary of the Institute of Medicine report to Air is Human, we caught up with a man widely seen as the father of patient safety, Dr. Lucian Leap. Dr. Leap is a Harvard School of Public Health adjunct professor and a retired pediatric surgeon. In 2007, the National Patient Safety Foundation announced the formation of the Lucian Leap Institute as a think tank and advocate for safe patient care. This is part two of an interview by managing editor Tom Agello with Dr. Leap as he reflects upon the present-day challenges facing the patient safety movement and what's coming next. Dr. Leap, I want to talk a little bit about transparency. The Joint Commission in 2001 created a, a disclosure policy requirement. Do you think that's having an impact in patient safety? I think it's hard to know because the Joint Commission requirement is pretty easy to satisfy without really doing much in terms of meaningful disclosure. But clearly there is a movement to improve our openness with patients and to fully disclose and be honest with them about what happened. There's a real movement to apology when appropriate. There are more and more healthcare systems that are making this a policy and a practice and we're beginning to see replication of the results that have come out of the University of Michigan. They've been the leaders in this, and they've seen, they've now been doing this for eight years, and they have seen a steady drop with full disclosure, apology, and early compensation, the whole package. They've seen dramatic reductions in the number of suits, but beyond that, a significant uh, reduction in the amount of their financial outlay, how much they spend. That is, they are compensating many, many more people but uh, the total amount of compensation is much less. So it's a win-win. It's certainly the right thing to do, and it's also uh, financially the smart thing to do. So the mission experience continues to impress us, but other places are replicating that. University of Illinois in Chicago is now doing that, Catholic hospitals in California. The VA has been doing it for quite some time. So I don't think there's any question there's a, a, a movement to improve uh, disclosure, apology, and compensation. I emphasize it's all three. And uh, this is probably resulting less from the Joint Commission requirement than from the continuing and increasing pressure from patient advocacy groups. What's the role of the malpractice insurer in all of this? Well, insurers, particularly Risk Management Foundation at, at Harvard, has played a um, crucial role in this from the very beginning, and I hope they will continue to do so in terms of, first of all, supporting research. Much of the fundamental research that was done in terms of medication safety, for example, was funded by uh, a Risk Management Foundation. So the funding of research into how to provide safer care, safe practices, understanding of the nature of, of our mistakes and so forth is the bedrock upon which improvement has been based. And so I think um, that funding that kind of work has been, was very foresighted and uh, hopefully will continue. And the second uh, major activity, which clearly pays off dividends in safety and therefore in the bottom line, I would think for liability, is um, the education and training, particularly uh, emphasizing uh, 
teamwork training and training and coaching and disclosure and so forth. All of these are very powerful. I think a third area is awareness building, informing from the data that the uh, carrier has, informing physicians of what the risks are, making physicians much more aware of the areas where they're most likely to, to make mistakes and get in trouble and providing them with information about how to avoid that. And I have no question it's made a huge difference. What are some other areas where we are, are seeing some progress? Well, I think we, we have established a number of practices that are changes in the systems which clearly are working. Uh, no one goes into a hospital anymore without being accosted by at least 10 people asking them their name and their date of birth and so forth. And this, of course, is because we've gotten serious about how we make sure we've got the right patient, giving the right tests, the right treatment, and so forth. And we've learned how to do that. And I think we've made things much safer in that. And my experience is patients don't mind that at all. They are appreciative of the fact that we're taking so much care to make sure it's the right person and so forth. So that's been a real improvement. Medication practices are certainly have increased a great deal, and there's now a lot of emphasis going on preventing hospital-acquired infections, and I think we'll see a lot of progress there. And we're finally working out the uh, problems with the limitations of work hours. But the other thing that you're seeing is um, at the administrative level, every hospital now has a patient safety officer, every hospital has a patient safety program. Safety measures, measures of safety outcomes, are part of the quality dashboards that are used in the quality assurance committees. The boards of hospitals now get quality dashboards that have safety indicators on them they didn't have before. And so hospital board involvement is certainly going to increase, as we said before. I think from a conceptual standpoint, to me, the exciting thing is not just that people no longer are denying that there's a problem, well beyond that, but people are beginning to see that it is possible to achieve very high levels of safety. We began talking about five years ago about the concept of getting to zero, getting to zero defects, that it isn't just enough to reduce your, your injuries, but you want to eliminate them. And you want to think about what you could do to, to totally eliminate certain kinds of I mean, injuries and, and ultimately all of them. With the um, work of, of Peter Pronovost and others with central line infections and the ventilator-associated pneumonia, with perioperative infections and some medication errors, we now have proof that we can get to zero. And the concept that this is something we can do is beginning to take hold. This is a big change because up to now, errors and injuries like the poor are always with you. It was accepted as a price of doing business. That You don't hear that so much anymore. So people no longer believe we have to have mistakes, we have to have injuries, we have to have complications. The concept of a complication-free experience in a hospital no longer seems so outlandish. So I think that's a giant step. One of the great technical advances of the last decade has been the development of very sophisticated simulators, and one of the main uses of the simulator, the simulated patient, the simulated situation in the operating room or ICU or wherever, is it's used to teach people how to work more effectively in teams and think in terms of systems. So I, I think this is a very encouraging development that's going to pay off a lot in the future. What is the next frontier, then, in, in patient safety? Well, uh, there are two that, to me, stand out. One is, I think, uh, patient engagement. The patient's voice is uh, will not be stilled. 
They more and more uh, people speaking out, and we're um, becoming more and more, uh, we're listening better. So we now have patients involved more in uh, what we do in healthcare, but there's room for a, a, a great deal more of that, and I think that's what we'll see. I think one of the frontiers is going to be working out how it's most effective, what works best for patients, and how does it help improve care and safety. Another one which has not been talked about as much as I would like to see, but I think is absolutely critically important, uh, has to do with assuring competence. The big effort in the initial phases of the patient safety movement was to stress that errors were caused by systems, not by people. But the fact of the matter is that you have to have highly competent, well-trained, uh, conscientious practitioners. And we've put a great deal of emphasis on that in the past, but we haven't done much in terms of measuring it and assuring it uh, other than leaving it to the individual. And what I think has become apparent is that healthcare is too complex to just leave to the individual to, to make sure he's doing a good job. So there's been a lot of interest in the last few years in how we measure and then monitor and then assure competence. So how do, you, how do you determine whether physician's practice is up to standard and what do you do about it when it's not? My theory is that we're all not up to standard in some things we do, and so it's important to do this on a continuing basis and most important to do something about it, give the physician the opportunity to correct any deficiencies, uh, recognizing that they're almost all correctable. And if we do this, we will head off um, real true negligence. So I see this this uh, assuring professional competence as the next wave of um, what we need to do to uh, improve patient safety. Thank you, Dr. Lucian Leap, Adjunct Professor of Health Policy at the Harvard School of Public Health. I'm Tom Ajello. This has been a patient safety podcast from CRICO. More information about CRICO and efforts at Harvard to deliver the safest healthcare in the world is available on our website at www.rmf.harvard.edu.